Father, we want to bless you that it is enough that you died. All that we need is wrapped in your name. Our healing, our deliverance, our strength, our glory, our now and our future is all vested in your death and resurrection. Thank you, Lord, that we don't need aprons. It is not about anointing oil. It is enough that you died and that you died for me and that you died for us. Grant us this understanding that our spirit will rest in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, shall we put our hands together for the Lord? So, Easter, brothers, is the foundation of our Christian faith. It is a reason for our confidence in the fact that one day we will rise from the grave. You see, that a man will lay down his life and take it back again is the greatest miracle in history. And it is the most attacked because its consequences are far-reaching. It is the most attacked. It is life to many. And it is death to some. The resurrection is life to many. It is death to others too. You see, the events of the resurrection of Christ devise history. It ends an era and it begins an era. It ends an era and it begins another. You see, we talk about Good Friday. And especially the Glorious Sunday. We expect that if people don't preach for church at all within, within this season, as for yesterday, and especially today, people will come with their white at us praising God. You see, but we often don't talk about the Saturday. But I believe that the Saturday will ever be the toughest day in history. The real day of battle between heaven and hell. The day between his death and the resurrection was the toughest day that history or the universe will ever see. Now that a dini wo and in wo sorry and termono. And only see, not only were the chief priests and the elders of the land concerned about 
the Father Jesus will rise from the dead. And, and that they did everything not to, to make sure that he doesn't rise from the dead. All the forces of hell were determined to make sure that he remained in the grave. So the chief priests and the elders determined to, that he will not rise from the day. As if that was not enough, hell also made sure that this man will remain in the grave. So can you imagine what happened on the Saturday? Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. I'll start from verse 62. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Say, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So, give the other to, give the other for the term to be made secure until the third day. Now, are you following the scripture? So the chief priests and the elders went to Pilate. This deceiver. Now you don't describe this, this holy man with that word. In fact, it is the devil, the serpent, who is described as the deceiver in scripture. But because they hated him, they managed to act. To, to attach this word to the Holy One of Israel. That when he was alive, he, he said he will rise on the third day. So make sure this does not happen. Make sure it doesn't happen. So after three days, he said, I will rise again. So give the other for the term to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. The last deception. Or this last deception will be worse than the first. Then let's listen to Pilate. Take a guard. Go and make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made it, made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. 
So they have made the term secure. Not just with a seal, but with gas. But let's listen to Peter in Acts chapter 2. From verse 23. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. But God raised him from the dead, free him from the agony of death. Now listen, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Now what is he trying to communicate? God freed him from the agony of death. It is important to pay attention to the agony of death. And then he said that because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. If it was impossible, then it presupposes that there was an attempt by death to keep him in the grave. But it was impossible. Why do I believe that there was an attempt? And why have I said that the Saturday was the most crucial day? Ephesians chapter 1. From verse 18, please. If you can project it, we will read the English together. I pray that the eyes of your heart, okay, we will read together. Or oh, you are still writing. Okay, so let's go. Ready, go. I pray also. Okay, wait. So this is not what I have. So we will read from here. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In order that you may know the hope for which, to which you have the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Verse 19. Let's pay attention to verse 19. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power, that power is like the working of his mighty strength. Verse 20. Which he exerted. Now hold that one. So it says, the power that works in us is like his mighty strength. God's mighty strength. It is an incomparably great power. Now it is a power that Paul found it very difficult to, to describe. Now, so he puts two adjectives together. It says incomparably and great power. And he says the power is like 
that which he, God, exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now, to say that the whole God Almighty exerted power is something else. It means that the opposition was strong. In the beginning, God stood in darkness and let, said, Let there be light. The power that brought light out of darkness is nowhere compared to this power. This man, God had to pull some strings. The Bible says that he exerted power. Bible said, raising Christ from the dead. That is why I believe what Peter said. That it was impossible that death would keep him in the grave. So he exerted power. And God raised him from the dead. You see, finally, when he had been raised from the dead, Matthew reports that. Matthew said. There was a conspiracy against the resurrection. He wanted to keep him dead. If we couldn't do that, then let's fabricate some stories. When we are talking about conspiracy, it is an agreement to say nothing. Or to, or to cover up about an issue that should generally be known. That is a conspiracy. Matthew chapter 28. From verse 11. Matthew 28, from 11. While the women were on their way, some of the guard went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. You can interpret that. When the chief priest had met the elders, had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. This is the language of politicians. We know what to do. Typical. 
So it's not only about uh, what is happening today, it used to be. It used to be. Big men always know what to do. There are some of the, script, uh, the versions that say that we know what to do. This man says we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. But remember that they gave them large sum of money. To say that we were asleep. And the disciples came to steal him. You see, sleeping on duty was punishable by death in, the, in Roman law. So to say, to say that we were asleep was implicating yourself. That was why the elders said, when it gets to the ears of the governor, we know what to do. But I'm interested in verse 15. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. They collected the money. They acted upon instruction. So they were going to spread that we slept and the body was stolen. And this, the Bible is saying that this very story has gained currency even up to today. The scripture says among the Jews. But if the scripture is saying up to today, then it is also among the Gentiles. So there are some conspiracies against the resurrection. I will give you a couple of them. Number one, Jesus never really died. Instead, he lost consciousness and regained it after being laid in a cool tomb. I didn't know how he was going to say. <laughs> oh, he said, oh, tough feature. I said, this guy, Wavim. <laughs> I guess I'm in my bone chain. <laughs> yeah. So this, this, is, this is happening even among intellectuals. And see, on our West Virginia, I Another conspiracy is the disciples of Jesus stole their body and they lied about their resurrection. 
Because this was sustained even then because tomb robbery was very common those days. There's another that the disciples had hallucinations and dreams that they mistakenly confused with a physical resurrection. It was not real. Another one is this. The resurrection is a personal experience in the heart by faith, not an event in history. This one is also very strong among our generation. Let me give you the fifth one and then we'll move on. That the resurrection has taken place already. Even in Paul's day, all these were there. All these were there. There were speculations against the resurrection. Second Timothy 2 verse 16. Avoid godless chatter. Because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching was spread like gangrene. Among them are Hermenius and Philetus, who have departed from the truth. They say, they say what? Can you project that for us? I say na and say who who are and hunt ye no de you free home na obeko ni mara emusubomu na won asem be ye rese yareboni. Now, will move be any Hermenio, any Phileto? Our pie. Verse 18. Just give us verse 18. Don't watch, you know. Who have wandered away from the truth? What pie a free no crano? Shall we read the next line? They say that the resurrection has taken place. Now, or a castle, or who saw ye a chum? And they destroy the faith of some. See, recently when we were talking about the vaccine, we had so many kinds of myths against the vaccine. I'm sure there are some amongst us here listening to me, looking at my face, who have who pledged to God that they will never take this vaccine. See, some of them were saying this, or they are saying that. Taking the vaccine is taking the mark of the beast. I'm sure you have heard this one. Successes. We believe that the rapture will come before the great tribulation. 
So if this vaccine, this COVID vaccine is a success, you are saying that the rapture are taking place already and I didn't go. And if I don't, let me tell you this, listen to me. If I don't go to heaven, none of you will go. <laughs> yeah. None of you will go to heaven. Yeah. How can I come and lead you as your, have, be your leader? Speak and practice something else. How? At least I'm sure I've convinced one of you. <laughs> You see, just taking the vaccine is an act of love to your neighbor. Yes, to protect your neighbor. It is a Christian act of love. So, you see the conspiracy is a myth. Now, let's go back to the resurrection. Certain man who lived in the second century by name Justin Matthias. He was a philosopher and an apologist. Christian apologist. In the dialogue with the trifle, he wrote to the Jews of his day. This is what he said. And I want it to be projected so that we can all read what he said to you. You have sent men throughout the world to proclaim that you Jews, you have sent men throughout the world to proclaim. And this is what he is saying that the Jews. I've gone out saying, a godless and lawless heresy has sprung from one Jesus, a Galilean deceiver, whom we, the Jews, we, we Jews, crucified. But the disciples stole him by night from the tomb. And now the disciples deceive men by asserting he has risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. And see, near what Chene said, near Mose Yanko Kenny, sir, a true Sembi, a Kosua, any Nyamimu, na any sir, yes, to Christo Abaye, na Nesuya for a cancer, were woo, now are sorry, now are caught heaven. Now, listen, brothers. So, in the second century, it was still being rumored that he never rose from the dead. So, 
So this one is just something beyond scripture. But the Bible says that even up to today, there are conspiracies against the resurrection. But you see, brothers and sisters, the simple truth is that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is a well-attested fact of history. Scripture depicts a personal and a bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. From the dead and by the power of God. See, this is supported by the evidence of an empty tomb. Or oh, you don't believe that? Yes. The empty grave. His grave clothes. Because Peter actually handled the grave clothes. It meant that he had gone out of the, the, the grave clothes. His presence or amongst the disciples. He presented himself to the disciples several and on different occasions. The woman's testimony. The records of his ascension to heaven. All these are scriptural proof that he actually Rose from the dead. But let me ask you this question. The empty grave. How many of us here have been to Jerusalem to see the empty grave? One, one one How sure were you that the grave was Jesus's? Eh? That is what the God told. How old was the God? Mama said. Do you think things like the empty grave is sustained in our generation? Yes. I'm, I'm only asking a question. Not that I don't believe. Because I'm saying that this is scriptural proof. You go to Jerusalem, a certain man, you say, I'm the God. Say, this is where Jesus was laid. You have to look at him, ask him, now, who hobby? I mean, how? And how old are you? And to call Jerusalem, now, I'll be a bit now, and I'll say, yes, you need a near. You're not even a bit, and I say, now, I'm someone who can, yeah, come here, so now we're going to have. Where is the grave clothes? Where is it? Now in the church of Pentecost, we, we don't have it. 
Because if we had it, it would have been in my office. Office. But it is not in my office. Is it here with you? Where is the grave clothes? So when somebody comes and presents that this is a grave clothes, maybe, maybe, maybe it will be with the Romans. And so be are, are you not sure? But this time, how how old would the, the clothes be? I mean, I'm sure some mice would have dealt with the, 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 the rope if it were with the Romans. I don't think so. I'll, I'll try and call the Pope and ask him whether he has it. And so, I don't know what happened to him. I don't know what Yeah, I'm sure. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know what happened and now you see the woman's testimony. Now a man Even the woman's testimony was not accepted by the disciples of the day. You know, some of the disciples on the way to Emmaus said, see, the worst of, of all the scenarios that this morning, some of our women said they went to the grave and he was not there. Some of our women. Now, as you have for me, you know, and now I'm a council echo emotional. While someone now can say, I yell somewhere, a woman cry and say, Yeah, my name will be. I bet I say, or call, maybe I will see no, no, now so what is the proof of the resurrection beyond the scriptural proofs? And see, at the end, I dance, dear, strong, a genaho, a fa. Brothers, we need evidences that can stand the test of time. Real, sustainable, timeless proof that Jesus is not dead and that he is alive. See, there are some who do not even believe the Bible we hold. Now, how do you prove to these skeptics that somebody called Jesus came on the planet Earth, he died and he rose again? How do you prove to people who don't believe in the Bible? Now, are we together? Yes. When I was 15 years, we went to preach. But we went for a camp. We stayed there for about uh, one month. The first two weeks, they would teach us about how to do evangelism, street evangelism and all that. And then the last two weeks, we would do some practicals. No, so I went out on the street evangelism with a lot of, a, a lot of uh, zeal. I wanted to bring many into the kingdom of God. And somehow the first person I met really confused me. 
This was a man at that time. I saw him as a man. Good afternoon. I want to speak to you about Jesus Christ. They said, Who is Jesus Christ? That was the first thing that really disturbed me. Because I didn't know that there are certain people on this earth who question who is Jesus Christ. They never told us that somebody can say that. So that one was a bit worrying to me. So I looked at his face and then I picked my Bible. I was going to open the Bible to talk to him about Jesus Christ. He looked at me and said, young man, I don't believe in this Bible. Slowly, I closed the Bible. I didn't have anything to say. Then he says, so uh, can I leave? I stood there. Countless of people were passing by. <laughs> I was afraid to approach <laughs> anyone. That was the first day. Since I don't believe in the Bible. How do we prove to skeptics, people who don't believe in the Bible, that Jesus came, he died, and that he, he, he rose from the dead? See, Judaism at that time had no concept of a dying and rising Messiah. And that was the Apostle Paul's problem. You see, when you are hanged on the tree, according to Scripture, Deuteronomy 21-23, you are cursed of God himself. You are cursed by God himself. Now how can the one who is cursed by God be the be God's Messiah? Now so on his way to Damascus, when he heard the name that I'm Jesus, he was puzzled. Now where we have got into. I'm sure you are asking me, so what will be the proof? <laughs> what I want to continue uh, from is that, you see, Jesus himself told us what will be the proof of his resurrection. He himself told us that. So he didn't talk about the empty grave. No. He was not talking, he, was, he didn't concentrate on anyone's testimony, no. Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. 
from verse 44. Luke 24 from 44. I hope you are not tired. Eh? Let me just take maybe some 10 more minutes. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. No, you see, at this time he had resurrected. He had made the disciples at the shore. And he had taken some food to eat to prove to them that he is not a ghost. And then, then he went on saying what I'm reading now. Everything must be fulfilled that. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. When he said the law of Moses, the prophet Sam, he is talking about the three categories of the Old Testament. So in all the books of the Old Testament, this was what was written about me. Now, verse 46. Read 46 together. He told them, This is what is written The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Did you see the comma? Yeah. Now, I'll see one say, What Trey said, Christo nube hunamani. The next verse, 47. What, what word begins? And. So the Christ dying and rising from the dead is comma. And to Jesus Christ, then he said, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem. And then that is full stop. Now, Let's go to the next verse. The next verse. You are witnesses of these things. Full stop. The next verse. Very popular with Pentecostals. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Now from the above, brothers. I will suggest to you that the real proof of the resurrection was what was to follow after the resurrection. Namely, the preaching in the name of Jesus. Secondly, that the, the, the primary role of the disciples were to be witnesses. Thirdly, 
the outpouring of the Spirit. This three, this fact is summarized in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let me take them one by one. I'll quickly go through that for the sake of time. But let me start from the coming of the Spirit. So I'm saying that there are three proofs of the resurrection that can stand the test of time. The coming of the Spirit. You see, but for the day of Pentecost, now the story of the resurrection would have been like any other story. With time, some other news would have come to take over the airwaves. Meanwhile, some people have really been bribed and they were pushing the conspiracy. Some of the disciples were disappointed, so they were leaving Jerusalem, going back to their small towns. Even the Peters and the Johns will often go back to their vocation fishing. But when the day of Pentecost came, the story was different. It came to strengthen the facts of the resurrection. See, God intentionally gathered people together in Jerusalem from all tongues and from all places so that the conspiracy what they, want, what they wanted to conceal, he will officially unveil it. So this is what the Bible says. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. That separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them. Shall we read this one? All of them. All of them. Were filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues. As the Spirit enabled them. So when the people suggested that they were drunk, Peter in verse 14 stood and then explained to them that they were not drunk. But this is what the prophet said. That in the last day he will pour his spirit upon all flesh. Hmm. Then when he got to verse 32, let's read 32. 
God has raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of it. Say God has done what? Raised him to life. Now, so they, this was an opportunity to talk about the resurrection. God has raised this Jesus to life. Now let me go back to verse 31, probably to make a better meaning. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah. That he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead. Nor did his body see decay. God raised this Jesus from the grave. He raised him. And verse it. God raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of it. Now the big one, 33. Exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. And has poured out what you now see and hear. Why was Peter so sure that Jesus has gone to be with the Father and from the Father he has poured the Holy Spirit? When Jesus was alive, he told them that when I go to the Father, I will ask the Comforter to come. So when all the people were paying attention, Peter linked the coming of the Holy Spirit to the resurrection. And to let the people know that he's alive. He has been resurrected, he is with God, and then from God and from heaven, he has poured the Holy Spirit. He says that you see and you hear. Number two. So as long as we talk about the Holy Spirit, what it means to the to generations is this. That someone called Jesus died. He rose again. He went to be with the Father. And from the Father, he sent the Spirit. Are we together? Now, even the Holy Spirit. His ministry amongst us, the Bible says that it is a sign to unbelievers. When are we going to stop talking about the Holy Spirit? It is a timeless proof that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, the second one, the preaching in the name of Jesus. The preaching in the name of Jesus. See, the authority to preach in the name of Jesus 
It's as a result of the resurrection. It was when Jesus rose again that he said, All power has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you want to summarize that, baptize them in the name of Jesus. Now, but this name Jesus, according to Hebrews chapter 1 from 1 to 4, was a name that he inherited. Now, it was conferred on him. It is like the president of our republic. I don't think that when he went to school, his name was different. When he was campaigning for the presidency, he used the same name. But when we made him president, we never changed the name. But what happens now is this. That behind his name is the authority of presidency. So if you used to speak against the name anyhow, you can't do it today. The Bible said that Jesus has inherited the name that is above every name. And God gave him that name. And in the name of Jesus, every kneel in heaven and earth and under the earth to praise the Father. So let's go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Somebody should tell the clock to at least wait for me a bit. It is really me. When they were about to enter the beautiful gate, a man was lame from birth. When he saw Peter and John, he asked of arms. Peter looked straight at him. Asked the John. Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention. Expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have. But what I have, I give you. Now listen. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Walk. Sorry, Nancy. Now listen. And for me, Peter is not like what. See, Peter believed in what he has said. So the Bible said, taking him by the hand. It's not like what we do these days after prayer. We say Fajidiko. Peter will not say Fajidiko. Peter is saying, Madam, sorry. Or can we say, sorry? 
You see, the man's uncle went strong. And this man caused some kind of commotion. Instead of going home, he followed them to church. And the people recognized that. It was the same man. So they had to question what happened. Let's listen to Peter. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, The God of our fathers. Has glorified His Son Jesus. Now, to say glorify Jesus is simply to say that God has conferred a name on Him. You handed Him over to be killed, and you disowned Him before Pilate. Though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one. And asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the altar of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Now the big one. Verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus. Now, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It, it is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. As you all can see. Who will say amongst them that Jesus is not alive? Who will say amongst the congregation and who will say today when we go preaching in the name of Jesus and miracles are happening, people are getting healed, who will say that Jesus never rose from the dead? Who said if, if, if he was still dead, his name will not bring life to people. Let me take the third one. You are witnesses. Say, brothers. When people do not believe that Jesus rose from the dead, for you, Scripture says you have a testimony in your heart. John 17. John 17. That all of them may be one. This is Jesus' prayer. Father, 
Just as you are in me and I in um, and I am in you. May they also be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Our reflection of Jesus Christ will cause the world to believe that God sent Jesus and by extension he resurrected from the grave. See, these conspiracies could go on but you are the surest proof of the resurrection. You are the witness. You are the proof. At your workplace. Your reflection of Christ. Who proved that Jesus came on this planet earth or otherwise. The apostle Paul said that. They didn't know me. All that they've heard. Was that the one who once persecuted the church? He's now preaching the gospel that he once determined to destroy. And praise God because of me. So if people think that Jesus did not rise from there. Prove to them that he did. By your, by your changed life. That is why he said, you are witnesses of this. I am a witness of the fact of the resurrection. And you are a witness of the fact of the resurrection. So brothers, just to wrap up. That God sent Jesus on the planet earth. He actually died. He was buried. On the third day he rose. This is what is called the gospel. The proof of his resurrection is in the coming of the Holy Spirit. The preaching in the name of Jesus. And you, you are the witness. This is endless. This is sustainable in every generation. Now, I want to ask you now. Shall we rise to our feet? Hallelujah.